This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupans, where, of course, it's late summer, produce in full swing at Zupans Markets. I went there, Chris. My wife's 40th birthday, put a little uh, get-together together, a Zupans perfect place. Uh, so you can stop in for fresh local favorites like peaches and nectarines, Hermiston watermelons. Those are great. Sweet corn, my favorite. Heirloom tomatoes. Plus, coming up, it's the Hatch Chilies. They've, they've actually arrived, but coming up on the 26th and 27th of August, they're going to be doing live Hatch Chili roasting from 10 to 2 at the Burnside and Lake Grove locations. And also their produce department, everything looks so beautiful. Oh, it's there, awesome. Which is only, be- it's beautiful for a number of reasons, but it's all wonderfully fresh. Mm-hmm. I've always, I've shopped at other markets and sometimes it's not. Not so much? Pro- yeah, not so much. Always yeah. at Zupans. Always perfect mm-hmm. there. So uh, speaking of calendars, check out Zupans.com on the events tab for upcoming food and wine tasting events. Cellar Z at Burnside has a bunch of great ones coming up, like the Master of the Craft Summer Beer Seminar on August 20th, the Lingua Franca Wine Dinner on August 24th, and their next four-course regional dinner coming up September 8th. Another thing that I, I need to circle back to this, they have these awesome cheese platters you can buy there or you can make your own. Mm-hmm. I did that as well. And my wife, we surprised her at this little party with her friends on over the weekend. And she's like, man, how did you do that? And I was just like, you just go to Zupans and they help you. Yeah, it's well, so they do. there's a lot you can do there. I had someone write yesterday, I don't know if you saw it, looking for uh, someone, uh, their family member was sick and they wanted to put together prepared meals for them. Mm-hmm. Who does that? Yeah. Immediately Zupans, Zupans. comes to mind because they, yep. they have everything there. And let's not forget their poke bar. That's exactly right. Three locations, which are? Westburn side, uh, McAdam, and Lake Grove in Lake Oswego. And of course, you can always find out more at Zupans.com. It's the time of the month, Chris, where we get to go back into the archives of Right at the Fork as we now are midway through our fourth year. Mm -hmm. And we're going back to August 2014 when uh, episode 32 came out with uh, a guy who probably, if when it comes to wild game or game in uh, in Portland, this is the guy. Well, when it also comes to hardworking, nice people, too. Sure. Jeff Jeff Latham. Mm -hmm. Of Nikki USA and Nikki Farms uh, joined us, and as a matter of fact, uh, every t- not every time, but often I run into him, and he tells me that this podcast is required listening for any new employee. Oh, so they understand the background of his company, and uh, he enjoyed the podcast a lot, and we did too. Sure, yeah, oh yeah, so, and that's why we thought it'd be a good idea to bring it back. Um, and uh, Jeff, that since this podcast. Uh, streamed a few years ago. Lots has happened. They're also looking for new location, but they also have their farm out in, I believe it's in Aurora. Yep, it is Aurora. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, I think, yeah, I think you're correct. Always looking for corrections. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he is, uh, Jeff, Jeff's business, Nikki USA, touches a lot of Portland chefs cook with his products. Mm-hmm. Um, and from, you know, his wild game, he's got wild uh, water buffalo. He has water buffalo? Yeah, it's great. Oh, wow. It's awesome. And um, he has, you know, from duck to- Rabbit? Uh, rabbit, right. A lot of rabbit. 
Um, you can look at you can just go to Nikki USA and see all the products that he has, and mm-hmm. you can buy it retail as well. Very nice. So, um, but Jeff is one of I went out with him at uh, La Ruta. We went out and did a late night partying, and he was it was a lot of fun. So I think you'll have a lot of fun with him here too. Absolutely. So our recommendation is to pour yourself a cup of uh, nice ristretto coffee. Yes, maybe the Beaumont blend. Yep. I think that's their their biggest selling blend is the Beaumont blend. Yep. Five locations around town, and we're uh, grateful for them to help us bring back these classic episodes. Yeah. There, there's enjoy a cup of coffee with right at the four classics. Mm-hmm. We're just going to have a conversation. You didn't want to actually promote Wild About Game, did you? You didn't want to really talk well, about that. That's not important. You want to talk about Oregon State, <laughs> your kids, college, the whole thing. All right. How are you doing? Good. Good. How's the summer treating you? Uh, very, very busy. Work more You're hours You're always, when are you going to figure it out? When what? When is the plan when you get to just... Chill out and relax on the farm. Uh, three years. Three years. That's good. Yeah. yeah. You're not saying it's 15 years in the future. You've got, <laughs> it, got it in your side. I think that's good. Three years in the future. Nah, we're, I'll still work, but I'm uh, going to sell my house. And when my son's out of high school and off to, my youngest off to college, then, then we're going to be promoting Simplify? Yeah. Well, actually, he does want to be a Marine. Oh, he does. <laughs> Simplify it. <laughs> oh no, I didn't say simplify. I said simplify. That's very different than simplify. <laughs> Just like his grandpa. His grandfather was in the Marines. Yep. Yeah. And, and you know military service. So no, I was you're, flat-footed. You're protecting and serving the the pallets of Portland and and chefs. That's what I try to do. <laughs> You've been doing it for a long time. So take us, if you wouldn't mind. Just I know a little of the story, but. How'd you get started with, with game? Well, I actually was was exporting, and I wanted to sell stuff from the United States to other countries, and and I spent eleven percent to make five percent on the first million and a half in sales. So I ended up working at night as a waiter, dreaming about selling food products during the day. Where were you waiting? Anywhere? A place called Coon Lock in, uh, which is now uh, the Bridgeport Plaza in. Uh, 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 Lake Grove. Okay. You know, down south of town. Well, interesting thing about Bridgeport <laughs> Plaza is, this, and depending on the store, they'll call it Tualatin, they'll call it Tigard, or they'll call it Lake Oswego, depending on the market they want to reach. And they used to also have Durham in there. That was and the Durham, Durham right. Exit. Durham's in there. <laughs> that place actually opened the day that I arrived in Portland, which is interesting because I just figured it was there. Mm-hmm. At any rate, so, okay, uh, you were waiting tables, and how did you get... Well, I knew I wasn't going to wait tables for the rest of my life. I uh, a guy asked me if I'd sell rabbits for him, and I said a hundred bucks a day, three days a week, and five percent commission. And um, I oversold them, and they went out of business in about five. Different- but what what made you at that moment think, yeah, I can sell rabbits? I just knew I wanted to sell stuff off the land, and mm-hmm. I had no idea. I'd never eaten rabbit before myself uh, until the day I tried it with him, and. And I got connections with some retailers, some great chefs in town said, hey, we really need more products. And, you know, we, they encouraged me to do more than just rabbit. And, uh, you know, that was the entry into, uh, you know, moving from our little uh, one bedroom, one garage apartment out in Beaverton into downtown Portland. And, and How many uh, years ago was that? Uh, 20 years ago. 
20 wow. years we moved from the garage to uh, where we're at now. And which, is, which is pretty nice quarters over there. It's it's ideal for us. It's a great location. Um, we've, you know, taken over from starting with a little 200 buck a month, uh, three-year, 36-month lease for a little square foothold in the downtown Protus Row area to 14,000. 14,000? Yeah, we have 14,400 right now. And how many employees do you have over there? Uh, there's uh, 48, 48. Wow. You know, we're, That's we're, great from a garage in Beaverton to 48. And it, you know, it's definitely um, uh, evolving all the time and never being stagnant with what we're doing. It's it's a lot of fun. So you went from selling rabbits. At what point, talk about a little bit about the progression. At what point did you start finding sources for other meats? And And when did you say to yourself, Okay, and was it a? It was obviously a mutual decision with you and Melody, when you both said to yourselves, "Okay, we can do this. This is a, this is a business." At what point did that occur? Well, you know, we once I decided that I wasn't just going to be a broker and I was going to be a distributor of products. Um, that was about 1994, and it coincided with so many great things that happened in this city, in my opinion, uh, that are foundation of all the great food we have right now started in 1994. And what were those things you know, that you, you would think? You Greg say? Higgins opened Higgins right. Restaurant. Philippe Below uh, came to town, who took me under his wing as a Frenchman uh, from Normandy via London and New York, and he said, Jeff, I love your rabbit. It's as good as any rabbit I've ever had, but you're never going to survive on just selling rabbits. If you want to build a business... You've got to be creative for chefs. You've got to put a chef's coat on. You've got to get dirty in the kitchen with me. And you've got to share your passion. And so I said, this is what I want to do. I can't believe it. I'm a country boy that, you know, grew up on fried chicken and never got to eat really, really good food. My family did not go out to fine dining. Um, but that same year, to finish off what I was saying, is Vitaly Paley came to town. I thought he would be um, one of the ones. You know, Tony Demas that year. Mm -hmm. And these are all guys that are very, very uh, exceptionally talented guys that if you want to do business with them, you have to bust your tail and work your, you know, rear off uh, to be different than anybody else in town because the competition is really fierce in the meat business. And, you know, when what I think has really happened is those five guys have so many people, gals and guys that trained underneath them that have branched out. I bet you could trace those five guys to dozens and dozens of great chefs now here in the Northwest. Well, the Oregonian did it a couple of years ago. They did the six degrees of separation and those folks are right in the center of it. Oh, okay. Of the whole universe. There are spokes. If you've never seen it, well, I'll find it and send it to you. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Although some people since have said they missed a lot. I, who was on the, someone was on the show and said they, they missed, a, a lot of people. So, and I would say one person that I don't throw into that category because she didn't come to town that year, but somebody who I admire, who has been here since the beginning, that's a leader, um, is Kathy Wims. Mm -hmm. And you can think of all the people she's trained out there. Yeah, and they, uh, and that, so they're all little Nikki, Nikki uh, supporters out there. You know, you started with them a long time ago. So when Philippe told you to get in the kitchen and get dirty with him. Um, what was it exactly? How did you actually do that? What did the, what did that mean to you? Well, the very first experience, he said he wanted me to be like Little D'Artagnan in in New York, which which George uh, Faison, his good friend, would go out with them in New York, and they would promote little farms, and he would be a talented 
chef and George would be there talking about the farm. So my first experience in 1994 was the IPNC festival where Philippe and Terry from Rovers up in Seattle decided, um, let's do foie gras for 700 on the barbecue. And my rabbit and my local poussin and my local quail and duck breast. And I went out there and was just blown away. I'm sweating bullets trying to do whatever chefs tell me to do because I have no culinary talent whatsoever except for if a chef says put something at 10 degrees, I know what to do. Mm-hmm. He says stir something up, I know what to do. If Gabe Rucker says dice something this way, I'm going to dice it that way. But really, you know, I just have a lot of fun supporting my my customers. I don't do it as much anymore um, not because of kids and family activities, but I have a real passion when I do it. And uh, I encourage my team, my salespeople to try to get to know their customers better by interacting with them at, you know, events that they do. Most of the events are raising money for a good cause. And I, mm-hmm. I really encourage all my team to get involved with their customers when we're, we're doing uh, good community service. So when you're at events, cause you're at a lot of events, you're, you have a dual purpose of serving the community. And it's also actually triple three purposes, serving the community Involved with a business-to-business situation with chefs, and then you're out there for the general public to get to know your product, and perhaps buy retail from you. They can do that, right? You can buy retail from Nikki USA. Yes, yes. Uh, do you, Nikki Farms, am I, uh, are there two? What it is, is, just to clarify, is Nikki USA is the parent company that mm-hmm. I founded, and for 15 years, we just sold everybody else's product, and then five years ago, I said I want to develop my own brand because we have a great rabbit, but Nikki USA is never going to go on a menu. Okay. So I had a vision of, of, of a group of family farms, of three dozen farms, whether they're elk or venison or rabbit or quail. Um, I wanted to market them all under the same name. So I came up with Nikki Farms. I developed the brand first, which is very rare. And then this last year, we bought a the real Nikki Farm, mm-hmm. and, which is the home base, and uh, we'll be you know, an epicenter of education on what we do, bringing people out to the farm in the years ahead. It's, it's what I was born to do now. And uh, I am uh, pretty excited of where I'm setting my, you know, my team up and uh, with a, uh, a great little farm that will raise a lot of neat things for people to, to come out and see. Well, it's the, it's the real thing. It's what you had your eye. That was the, the carrot all these years, and you're now doing it. And I remember when you first said you found the farm and you were doing it every time you ever spoke about it there was there was this happy glisten in your eyes um because that's what you want to do that's where you wanted to come back to well i i put myself through oregon state half of my oregon state education was from selling cattle that i raised on my family farm in mm-hmm. sherwood before it became a you know twelve thousand plus little farm a little town and i ended up getting so to speak, stuck in the city for the last 24 years. But I knew my end game was always try to find a way to get back to the farm. So did you did you pay your way through college? Was that all your own doing? My parents gave me a Monte Carlo that I sold for uh, two terms worth of college. Mm-hmm. And then I got some grants and I you know busted my tail bucking hay during the summer working on a actually a mobile slaughter truck at one point back in the day. And, uh, you know, I did it myself. I was the first one in my family to graduate from college. That's fantastic. So when I see you as a booster for Oregon State, it's really the real thing. Because, you know, I, 
you see a lot of people. I come from the East Coast. We see Yankee fans that are. You ask them who Greg Nettles is, and they don't know. So I say, <laughs> well, you're not really a genuine. You're just there. But you really, you know, you grew up in the area. You put yourself through school there. And did Melody go to Oregon State as well? Yes, she did. Uh, is that where you met? We met at Oregon State. Uh, I was a sophomore. She was a freshman. You know, I love to tell this real quick. Yeah, it's well, like I love you to I, tell it. I was at Acacia Fraternity, which is the house that I was in. I I lived off campus, but I... I went to this, before I joined the, the frat house, I went into this party, and I'm like, ah, there's no good-looking women here. Let's go, guys. So we were heading out, <laughs> and uh, she walked in, and I went, we can't leave. This is gal I got to dance with. And the next day, we started going out. And October 18th, it'll be 30 years we've been together. That's fantastic. 24 married. Congratulations. <laughs> and you know, you're, um, you're a fantastic couple. I've had the pleasure of dining with you two a couple of times, and... Um, it's it's just a lot of fun, and you, uh, it's thank you. Yeah, the the two of you are a brand unto the yourselves, <laughs> the Lathams, <laughs> and uh, and then you know Nikki Farms is above that. So um, it's it's been kind of fun, and you have kids that you're passionate about, and they're athletes. Yeah, yeah, I, I have uh, two sons. Uh, mm-hmm. Garrick uh, is my oldest boy. He's actually just graduated from Central Catholic, and he's uh, one of like 500 people out of the state of California to get accepted to Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. Mm-hmm. He'll be going this You mean fall. out of Oregon? Actually, in the world. There's only 500 get in that aren't from California that get into oh, that Oh, that college. aren't from, oh, that out of state, I got gotcha, yeah. uh, that are out 50, of state 50,000 applicants wow. and only 500 out of the state of California wow. get in. So he said he wanted to challenge himself and- of course, I was heartbroken. He didn't go to Oregon State, but uh, got to be proud of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, at least it was, at least it was in Oregon. Uh, well, there'd be a there there might be a yanking of the car keys on that one. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. But, Just the yanking of the car no, keys, or but, no? But Chris, you're gonna laugh. Guess what colors the dig Mustangs of Cal Poly are? Oh uh, no, you have to live with that for a little while. Green and yellow, uh, oh, the first man. green and yellow allowed in our household. Wow. <laughs> is he going to play? Is he playing football or what he he's going to get his feet um foundation set this fall then he's uh, planning on joining the rugby team. Uh I played rugby at Oregon State. He helped get the first team at Central Catholic off the ground after 3 years of trying this year. Mm-hmm. Played great. Uh played the hooker position like I did in college and so I'm really proud of him and uh my youngest son is is Jared and he is a sophomore. To be at Central Catholic, he's on the football team, was on the baseball team this year. Probably going to switch to rugby, I think, uh, here in the in the near future. But he was one of only six freshmen that got earned a ring the first time in 61, 61 years at Central to win a state championship. So I'm really proud of him, too. So your kids are driven. They're successful athletes. Do you, are you a driven father? Are you a did, – did you – are you a – well, great Santini. You're not a great Santini. You're too nice a guy. But, <laughs> I mean, where did they get that from? Um, I think that there's a cross between Melody and I and both of them that is incredible. She is – I'm the the idea guy and the guy that makes things happen, and she is the one that makes sure uh, all the numbers are correct. And that uh, – I mean, I, I wanted to step back on, on – uh, with Melody. Mm-hmm. That's when we really started having a real company is when I asked her if she would leave Standard Insurance and come work with Nikki, and I'd match what they were paying 
because I had no idea where my my books were messed up after the first four years. And I said, honey, please come work with me. And, and then did she when, hesitate or did she, was she right in? Well, her? we were getting ready to have our second child right. at the time. And she's like, you know, I want to call my own vacation. I, I'll work 12 hour days if I have to, but I, I, or more, but if we want to do trips or we want to go see people, let's, let's do this thing. And so it was a big leap of faith, but it was the right leap of faith. And a lot of people are a little concerned about working together and living together, the whole thing, throwing it all in. <laughs> Did you ever have that concern? And uh, so you're, you're into it a few years now. Has that, have you been able to, to manage that pretty well, or is it just, has it gone smoothly? It has. It has. I mean, it hasn't always gone smoothly. We, you know, we went through some lean years uh, about 10 years ago. And we both just looked in the mirror and looked at each other and built a plan to, you know, get through recessions and get through challenging times and change the dynamics of the company just a little bit. And But we did it together. It wasn't her or me. And so when you come out of something like that, you're even brace each other even more that you did it. Um, you know, you make your bank happy, you make each other happy and life gets a lot better. So you have so you have forty eight people there. Are there any in particular? And it's not fair to not to if you single people out, you're leaving people out. But are there any people there that have without them, Nikki wouldn't be where it is today. Over uh, the years, I'm not talking about in the last year or two. I'm talking about over the years. Well, I would say over the years there was a key, one key person that I'll always uh, think fondly of um, that was really a part of the turning around. It was, is Brenda Crow, who's now at Olympic Provisions. Mm. She and I went through some, you know, she, I learned a lot from her, and I think she learned a lot from me, and uh, I'll always remember that she was part of that turnaround period. Um, I think right now, I've got, you know, probably, you know, there's numerous people that are very important, but the rock in our office right now um, that keeps the glue together uh, is Jolene Rutherford, mm-hmm. and she started, came from us with, you know, Starbucks experience, took a year to get things going, and now I don't know what I'd do without her. Um, and Bree Roston is another mm-hmm. one who does all my events for me. She's, we try to be involved more so than any other meat company in Portland or Seattle, uh, be involved with what our chefs are doing, and she's a big part of that. Um you know, and then I've got uh, my plant manager, Jace, my warehouse manager, John, and Ben. And Jace at... is out there cooking, too, at events. Oh, Jace is, Jace is a kid who took a leap of faith from Missouri or Kansas City. said, I want to move to Oregon. Oregon seems to be the spot. That's where the next food revolution is going to happen. how long ago was that? Well, time flies. I think it was four years ago. And he exceeded my expectations so fast that he overtook his boss. And it, you know, once I finally gave him the promotion, we have been, you know, he is. What's really cool is that I, between him and Ben and Jolene, they all kind of have the same philosophy that I do, and they maybe that's what made them excited to work for me, and and share with other people the passion of the food that we have. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Ristretto Roasters. With five locations throughout Portland, Ristretto Roasters offers some of the finest locally roasted coffee in the city with gorgeous environments and service with big smiles. Let Ristretto make your day better with a cup or two of great coffee. 
or beans to go. And buy Zupans, unsurpassed quality. From the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupans is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years, Zupans Markets. Okay, so I want to go back to Bree and events. Mm-hmm. You have Wild About Game that you do every year, and it's coming up. What dates is it this year? It's going to be, uh, we have September. September 7th is the big day, mm-hmm. our, you know, Nikki's Wild About Game, and that is a competition. We've changed the format over the year. This is our 14th year. We take mm-hmm. over the Day Lodge at Timberline. We have four chefs from Seattle, phenomenal chefs competing against four chefs from Portland. And they're phenomenal chefs down here, too. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, you got the cream of the crop coming. It's, it's, uh, it's awesome. I mean, we've got Josh McFadden, Josh Schofield. Jin So Yang and Jason French from Portland. I mean, Jason who? Yeah, <laughs> bike rider, awesome chef, and uh, he was the mystery chef last year with Aaron Barnett. By the way, oh, he was. Yeah, oh, well, he's a mystery chef a lot. He, <laughs> I've been to a few events where I was at a fundraiser at Beast, and Jason was there, and he was kind of in the background, just enjoying himself and adding a little to the night. So um, that event is fantastic because. It's September, which is a beautiful time in Oregon. And I remember it was last year. I've been a couple of times out there. And uh, it's just there's no better time to go out to Mount Hood and enjoy that. But last year, when was it last year, there were the classic cars coming up, the driving up right before the event. Yeah. And just the whole thing was felt so good. It was the perfect day with the mountain backdrop. And you've got all the best vendors from... Portland and Oregon there, you know, uh, you'll always see Olympic provisions up there, everybody. So, um, and it grows every year, right? It keeps growing. Yeah, no, we're definitely, we should have four or five, you know, at least 400 people. Last year we had just about 400, 375, 400. It seems like more, but it doesn't see, it's not uncomfortably more. But I would say, if I would have guessed, I would have said a thousand because it's just a lot of, there's the energy in the room is actually in the room and then out on the balcony. The balcony. Overlooking Mount Jefferson. Oh, man, with the ski lift right there. Yeah. People that just, this year we have so many people signed up early to come. I mean, it's really, originally was a customer appreciation and educational experience. I wanted people to learn about game from the best chefs. And this is how it's involved, evolved to be an event where you can come eat, but you also get to interact with the great chefs uh, that are there. There's a lot of my customers that are in attendance in the crowd, just having a blast, you know, we'll take a day off and, and, uh, you You know know what else you do really well? Cause I've been to a lot of events where there are competitions where you have judges and then the people's choice awards. Mm -hmm. It's done so well. It's so well organized and, um, it seems fair to me. I don't always think they're, they're fair, but um, I enjoy that part of it, and the, the dishes are fantastic. Maybe because they're cooking for four hundred and not a thousand, right? So <laughs> no, so it's that much easier to cook for four hundred. I mean, these chefs are pros, and they're used to cooking for lots of people. But it's it's a manageable amount, and uh, and there's some nice camaraderie going on up there. Yeah, we really encourage that. I I try to pick chefs that understand our philosophy on this event, not that it's Iron Chef that, you know, you have to be so 
bitter with each other. I mean, I try to make people, I mean, half the reason I did this, Chris, is, is back to the day of the IPNC with Philippe Below and Terry. After that whole event was done, we were all wiped out, sitting on the back porch, drinking, you know, leftover beer and wine that was left over from the event. And I said, you know, if I'm ever successful, I want a party where an event slash party where all the chefs can have a great time together and not come and slave for everybody and show their talents that way. Mm-hmm. But so when they worked, it's not, it's like a, it's a short period of time they can focus and then go right into having a good time. Um, and I think that's important. I mean, really, really important that I want chefs to have a blast. And then our general public people that have a passion for food get to come and enjoy it all too. I mean, there's so much food there with over 30 different stations of, you know, like you said, salt and straw, chocolate by David, all these different things that you can taste that the, the tastings from the chefs don't have to be that big to, to, uh, you know, so they probably do about what would normally be 200 portions, but we, it stretches out. It seems like everybody gets some and everybody's everybody happy. Does. And and the other part is you've got that, it really, there's no competition. You've got Eric Finley from CHOP right next to Elias from Olympic Provisions, and they're, they're friends and they're, they're exchanging, and that's part of the, the whole experience too. Well, that's what's special about Portland. You right. know, I'm trying to learn Seattle more myself. It's a different kind of animal up there, but and we're doing very well. But in Portland, I've been really for the last, this is our 14th year, so it's like 14 years of, of nurturing um, collaboration mm-hmm. between some people that would be competitors, but they also learn from each other a little bit, and, and we kind of all have pride in, in what's happening in Portland. We're all a little piece of it, mm-hmm. and whether you're the cranberry gal or you're the the pear person or cheese guy. I mean, I just, I think that that's what's great about Portland. I, I'm sure you've had these moments because I have where I've been at an event or a dinner and you think, and I wrote a blog about it once, this place, this time, these people. And really, it's pretty incredible. However, you talk about 1994 when that started, but guys like Jace, oh, there's so many stories like that of people who just came out here either landed out here or decided they wanted to come out here. But we're in a really special place at a special time. And I don't, you know, you're from Oregon and you've been part of this for a long time. I came 10 years ago and I really didn't catch on for a couple of years. But I don't necessarily know that people from Portland, re- they know there's a food scene. I don't know if they appreciate it as much as people who've been, live somewhere else and they have six restaurants to choose from all year. You know, that you go to the same six. <laughs> I don't know if people can appreciate that. Do you think they they do here? Well, I think the chefs probably do, but they're just working. They don't have time to sit back and appreciate it. You know, this is I this hope this doesn't come across wrong, but I find myself having a hard time traveling and finding great food. You know, I places that people tell me are really good in towns when I go. I mean, I don't travel a ton, but I, when I do go, I'm always comparing it to my best friend's food, and I'm mm. like. Um, well, this is good, but I just can't, you, yeah. I mean, you really want to try this <laughs> per capita, the amount of great talent we have in this town, whether it's a food cart or a great chef, they're all trying. I mean, I, I just love the city that we're in and the environment. Um, you know, can I say one more thing about wild about game? No. <laughs> yeah, of really freaking important for me <laughs> to say that I am so excited. It's not been announced yet, but it will it should be by the end of the week. 
on Saturday night on the 6th, Timberline Lodge uh, chef Jason Stoller is going to be hosting Aaron Barnett, the winner of last year's uh, competition, and they're going to be doing an, an awesome dinner with Erath Wines. And he's doing a, the winning dish from last year as one of the one of the entrees. What which, was it? Do you remember the winning dish? Oh, it was a stuffed said, guinea I, hen leg. Oh, good. I'm glad you remembered. Stuffed it's guinea. It's on my it's on my website. It's okay. the picture with the claws, mm-hmm. and uh, we're having some special guinea legs done with with the foot still on for him to be able to. He makes the guinea hen sausage and stuffs it, and it was absolutely incredible. Aaron does. Uh, Aaron does anybody do a better job with your product than Aaron? Uh, Every time, you know, we had a dinner. We had we've we've done a couple of events yeah. together. We had yeah. one at St. Jack, one at Serato, which I think was one of the most beautiful nights you can possibly have in Portland or anywhere. Right? That was such a nice oh, yeah. night at Serato, mm-hmm. um, and that's where I learned. Um, I'm sure everybody has this uh, this moment, but water buffalo. So you see it on the menu and they think it's coming, and then you just taste it and you are amazed. That oh, you yeah. haven't had it before, or you haven't heard someone say, have you ever had the water bubble? <laughs> well, since, it's like owning a car, right? When you own a car, all of a sudden you see that driving down the street all the time. Since, I see water buffalo a little more often, but certainly you're always serving it because it's so good. Yeah. Do you, do you, you must see, have a lot of those experiences with people who come up to you and say, I had no idea. Yeah, no, it's, it's I... <laughs> I'm very, very lucky to have fallen into a uh, peddling rabbit and getting all the benefits of all these other side things that I never knew were coming. I think one other thing that this year that you'll be interested to know is that last year's People's Choice Award was for a water buffalo dish done mm-hmm. by Joey up at Harvest Vine in Seattle. Phenomenal. And this year we're throwing a curveball at the chefs. We pulled some, we picked the, the proteins and this year's curveball is going to be goat. Which is I, I think is actually the coolest new. But you're announcing meetup. it, so it's not going to be a curveball any longer. Well, it's okay because the way the format is now, mm-hmm. you know, we changed it three years ago. We we are we let the chefs know so that they can pre-do it because right. you right. know some of it because the kitchen up there isn't quite as uh, large as the kitchen at the resort to mountain when we used to be there. I think you should uh, announce right up front when the whole thing starts, say, okay, the curveball, the real curveball is you need to do a vegan dish. Well, I'd make <laughs> but, a lot of people happy. No, <laughs> not, not up there, not up there. And I'll tell you, we had um, a friend of mine, Jeff Reidebach, who has uh, homegrown vegan barbecue. And if you go listen to his episode, he has nothing but fantastic things to say about what you do and how you go about your business. Oh, cool, man. So uh, I thought that was interesting coming from a guy who lives and breathes vegan. Total respect. Oh, great. So you talked a little bit about Seattle and Portland. How do they differ? If you had to explain it to someone else came to you and said, hey, listen, I want to open up, uh, start selling in Seattle and doing some things in Seattle. What would you tell them is different from Portland? Well, it's a lot. It's a lot more spread out. Um, And I just feel like that there's... um, we haven't, you know, turned over the right rock yet, and maybe it's because I, you know, haven't had the time to be in kitchens with chefs as much as I did, you know, twenty years ago here. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the chef community in Portland is so tight, you know, that people aren't cutthroat as much. Seattle is much more cutthroat than Portland, in my opinion. Um, I think Seattle chefs love to come to IPNC Feast, Wild About Game, all of Portland's events because if you look at it. We for our small little city, I, th- I really think we have, we top them with 
the quality events. And and chefs, when they come down from Seattle, are just they, you can tell they're all having a great time. They're really happy to be here, um, and they see the camaraderie that's going on. So I hope that over time, my company will get more involved in Seattle. As my son gets out of high school, I plan on spending half my time in Seattle and half my time at the farm in the in the warehouse here in Portland, and trying to figure out how to. Uh, get more interaction between the artisans in Seattle like we do have here in Portland. So do you, do you see it an advantage for you to really kind of be a catalyst in linking Portland and Seattle a little more than it is right now? I think it's uh, it's kind of like a baseball rivalry. And I wouldn't call it a heavy rivalry because I think there's some there's a little to envy about both, mm-hmm. right? So from each side, but... Um, I don't think they're really together. It's it's not a Northwest thing. It's a Seattle and a Portland thing. That's I agree with you there. I, I think that my farm is going to be my catalyst to interact more with chefs. And, you know, we're going to remodel our house at the farm. It's a 114-year-old little, little house on the floodplain, I call it. And I'm going to make it so chefs from Seattle can come down and with their or Portland. But chefs from Seattle, when they come down, they'd have a place to stay, get up in the morning, see how we raise things. Maybe, you know, we always are getting more and more people to our open house in June down from Seattle. They come out they, right now. They're camping in tents, but it's it's a lot of fun. And uh, I'm going to keep doing that. That's I have a passion for that. And uh, and I love I do love Seattle. I just don't know it as well as Portland, even though my trucks are in Seattle every day. I well, I, your salespeople are learning it. Oh, yeah. No, I've I've got three people in Seattle right now. And they are really opening up a lot of great new doors. So you started there a couple of years ago, right? Two, three years ago, I think? Well, we've been delivering, oddly enough, I used to do the route to Seattle myself and run the Portland warehouse. And now that was 20 years we did um, two days a week deliveries. Oh, up there? Yeah. We were but up, you made a concerted effort. I remember we were talking about it just not too long ago. Two years ago, right. I put Ben up in Seattle. Right. He approached me and said, hey, let's, I'd really like to open this. And, and Ben was, a, was my manager at one time who left to go to Chile and, learn, and, and teach English with his girlfriend. It was a chance to chase something fun internationally before he got too his old. His girlfriend? Yeah, his girlfriend at the time is now his wife. I'm, I'm just... and, <laughs> well, they went down to... Uh, Chile, right before the big earthquake in Santiago. So mm-hmm. six months later, he came back, and I w- I hired him back immediately. And I had basically two guys that were capable of being manager for me with Bob Rhodes, who was a great employee of mine for a decade. And so Ben said, hey, why don't you put me in Seattle? And he went up there. He is the perfect extension of me when it comes to integrity, to care about the customer and care about service. Uh, I can't ask for a better guy to represent me. And then a year later, uh, that was just a sales office out of a house that we rented with him. And a year later, uh, we put Devin up there. And last summer, we a year ago, we opened up the warehouse in uh, the uh, Soto District, right south of Safeco Field. Just a little warehouse, and it is really rocking now. Cool. When you have uh, season tickets to Safeco, you let me know. I will. I know. My landlord calls me every now and then and says, well, for this package is... And a limo for a grand. I'm like, well, I not yeah, there see, those yet. aren't Portland. That's why there's no <laughs> baseball here because no one can afford that. So uh, you talked about three years being able to relax a little bit. You got one son going to college. Do you foresee them being in the business someday? Do they foresee themselves being in the business? 
Well, I would say that my oldest son surprised me when he told me about Cal Poly. He wanted to go and follow in my footsteps at this point. He wants to, he's going to, at Cal Poly, you can't go there and say, I just want to do general studies. Right. You have to tell him what you're going to do with mm-hmm. your life. That is very rare. Most of us couldn't ever imagine. Well, 18, it's a big push at 18 you know? to, to so, say, all right, figure that out because some so, people are still doing it at 30 and 40. <laughs> so he's going to do ag business management. And with an, an emphasis in finance, which I said, son, finance is my weakness. If you can go learn, he's got a photographic memory. Like, you know, I can't believe his memory. And he says he wants to come back and help me. And I said, well, go to California, learn from some of the bigger companies, maybe learn new techniques for me and and come back every summer. And every summer, you you know, you go from the warehouse to the office next summer. Maybe. That, that is, <laughs> you know what? That's an incredible cult of, that's an incredible growth tool to mm-hmm. have someone who's lived and breathed your business really from when he was a kid, he's seen it all mm-hmm. and to come back with skills from and highly educated and man, that's a plan. Well, so can I say something about him too? Sure. Right the thing with him, with Garrick is, is, uh, not only did he say this about Cal Poly, but last year at Chef's Week, earlier this year at Chef's Week PDX, my wife was sick. So he got to join me at some of the dinners. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I realized my son has a way better palate than I ever had at that age. And he's getting to know the chefs like Gregory Gorday and a few other great people in town that he's doing deliveries to now uh, during the summer. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's just, it's come full, you know, it's really an yeah, exciting be really thing gratifying. to watch this. Yeah, I... I um as as long as you're talking about Gregory Gorday and and deliveries to these restaurants, you're the you're a great person to ask about experiences, and you know it's almost impossible because you've got business relationships to say who your where are your favorite places. But I'd like to hear that. But can you remember some of your favorite dining experiences over the last year? Because the- you go to a lot of events, so you're. Yeah, I, boy. It could man. be a restaurant, too. It doesn't need to be an event. I'm just thinking, do you remember well, when you were with Melody thinking this is, you know, ah, this is the life? Well, I am, uh, I would say that, you know, the most recent one, I actually dined with you at the coast at, at the restaurant Beck. That mm-hmm. was a phenomenal dinner. I've had, I love the way that I'm taking, you know, when you go to... And depart- you had a designated driver with you, too. Does Thank that you, happen Chris. very often? That <laughs> took me a quarter mile up the road. <laughs> <laughs> and I still had another 80. Oh, man. No, well, that... So, I loved, you know, Gregory does take phenomenal... There's two Gregories in this town that I think are phenomenal. And they're both my friends, Gregory Gordet and Gregory Denton. And those two guys, you know, along with Gabe Rucker, um, you know... Patrick at, at Paley's, you know, I love Vitaly, but he's got two, you know, he's got great guys that work for him that mm-hmm. I really enjoy their food. Jen Lewis in town is, um, I love her food. Um, boy, I, I, um, it's hard, man. There's just, just, I, it's, it's, it's almost impossible. And it's also <laughs> politically tough for you well, because you don't want to leave anybody out. I'll give you a disclaimer that says, you know, you haven't had your coffee and can't possibly name everybody. Well, Chef's Week PDX now. You brought me back to one where Gregory and Tia put together Chef's Week PDX earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal lineup, phenomenal food with the, the last dinner being at departure. And it was incredible. It was probably, that was probably my best, my favorite dinner of the year. And on top of the city, too. Yeah. Looking down on the 
Yeah, and they they sat me with a gal named Krista, who's one of the judges on Knife Fight on all these shows, and she was a riot and a lot of fun, and you know, just nice to get to know her. Um, uh, so Wild About Game, where do we get tickets? Where do people get tickets? Uh, thestranger.com has got tickets. They're in advance. They're sixty five bucks mm-hmm. at the door. They're seventy. Um, I where ticket sales are going really good right now. So uh, recommended to get them in advance because the seventy this seventy dollar tickets may not be available. Yeah, well, I would say if you want to come up, you better, and especially, um, you know, it definitely, uh, uh, take a look at it soon because ticket sales are way better than they've been before, and uh, we have a lot of interest from our customer base this year too because, you know, we have. Oh, maybe 60 of our best customers all committed to, to come up there. And there's going to be more, but already 60 have blocked it out. Mm-hmm. That means them and their day. And those are all chefs or restaurateurs. So uh, I expect at least 100 of them and uh, and their dates. And uh, they all like to have a good time and eat good food. And and then, uh, then we do a little VIP thing afterwards for customers um, in government camp where we take over town pretty much uh, across the street from Charlie's. That's a that's – a- that's an amazing time. <laughs> I, I appreciate being invited a couple of years ago. That was I had a lot of fun. Well, we got to get you up there this year again. I will, and now I'm a little more oriented towards camping too, so I can <laughs> I can probably do that. But I appreciate your coming today, and uh, I appreciate your friendship. You too, Chris. I I uh, this is this has been great, and uh, you know I I love sharing uh, what we're doing with you and and. You always seem to absorb everything in. And oh, I don't absorb. I don't. Rem- I, I absorb, but I, it kind of goes in one inner, ear and out the other. So we have to do this more often so I can refresh. But, <laughs> but uh, no, it's been. Uh, I knew this would be fun. I knew you're coming in because we we can just sit there and talk all night. So definitely. Uh, thanks so much. We'll see you. Uh, if I don't see you before, we'll see you up at the Wildback Game. Awesome. Looking right. forward to it. Thanks. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Intro music by Ariel Varinas. Find links to her music in the show notes section. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Hot, hot, hot.